1: Right, My name is Rich Schmidt. I'm here with Herb and Eleanor Sims at Barrel Fence Cellars in Dundee. It's August 14, 2019. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Uh, let's start with the important question, which is, why wine?
2: That's a, that is a good question. That was not our careers to begin with.
0: I guess, uh, on the other hand, why not? Why not? Yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, at least for me, it was uh, after I uh, retired, priority from one career. Uh, we got uh, some interest in in wine. I've got uh, I grew up down in Southern Oregon, uh, and in the 1960s and 70s, that's where the wine industry, as you know, started. Mm-hmm. So my introduction to uh, very early in my life was uh, uh, through living in in that part of. Um, uh, Myrtle Creek so is about 20 miles south of Roseburg in, uh, in the Umpqua Valley. So I got a little bit familiar with uh, the early stages of the Oregon industry. But uh, back then, uh, as it is today, it's pretty tough to make a living, you know, and a lot of people didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I went on to a different uh, career, and then uh, later in, uh, in, uh, in our careers, got involved with uh, buying um, property in uh, New Zealand. Ultimately, that's where we actually entered the business, uh, in New Zealand. Uh, About 25 acres in the mid to late uh, 90s in central Otago, New Zealand, and planted a vineyard there in uh, 2001.
0: The the purchase of the property was not really, um, you know, we didn't know it was going to be a wine valley is um the the, uh, year that we um we first went to new zealand on a hiking trip there Uh, we went on part of the trip was a wine tasting um uh side trip and uh, we had three wineries to taste at at the time you know um and the fourth one was like she was tending sheep (laughs) and so we had to ring the bell it was a little hot ring the bell so that was the fourth one uh, but those three, um, three wineries in the mid-90s are, are the biggest ones now mm-hmm. in, in that part of central Otago. Mm-hmm. So, um, three, three years after we bought the property, uh, more and more grapes were being planted. And so he got the crazy idea, like, well, let's see if our, you know, part of our property, uh, it's 25 acres, but the plantable section was only... Uh, a little over five. Five, five yeah. acres because it's a sloping mm-hmm. sloping property right to the gorge mm-hmm. and it's it's a really um really um, difficult uh, growing because of frost yeah you, you may have heard of cool climate grape growing
2: yeah. that's cool <laughs> climate, cool climate. Yeah. that's it's all pinot it's all pinot yeah. noir so after that uh, we moved um,
0: after we, that i graduated <laughs> i don't know i mean i moved so because we were in saudi arabia Yeah, during the purchase of the New Zealand property. Um, So when he retired, um, I had to think about my career too. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had to go back to school in Washington Mm -hmm. uh, to be able to practice in in the US. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's another um, short kind of introduction to the wine. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. uh, we lived there for three years in the Yakima Valley. Mm-hmm. So, um, so cabs I decided, and Merlot's and, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, she, you know, yeah,
2: she was in a medical residency program, and I thought about uh, I needed a job, and a Home Depot wasn't too exciting, so <laughs> I, went, I went to work for a local winery in the, in the Yakima Valley. So, I several years of experience as a working in the cellar and tasting room and uh, I kind of started at the bottom Mm -hmm. and uh,
0: this is hard work. (laughs) This is hard (laughs) work. Except when he brings home uh, Where's the romance? (laughs) Uh,
2: (laughs) But after she graduated I decided to move back to Oregon where she has her medical practice and uh, then we ended up with this property here in 2003 and um,
0: luck. It was surrender. Yeah, I
2: guess, I guess yeah. it's, it's, it's uh, fortuitous. Mm-hmm.
0: But that. he was really looking for, but we weren't looking for, um, it would be really great if we find a house that we like with the vineyard property. But, mm-hmm. you know, for one year we looked around and there was just nothing uh, that would, that was uh, kind of look nice to us. So we, he decided we'll just We'll just purchase a vineyard property and then um, look for for our house. And on the way back, uh, we were still in, in Washington at the time. Um, on the way back from uh, uh, McMinnville, because I have to live within ten miles of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we weren't even looking in Dundee. We thought, you know, it was too far out for mm-hmm. me to be on call. So, but on the way back uh, home to Washington, he got lost. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So instead of taking 99, he took uh, 240.
2: Yeah, I guess it was. It, yeah. Doesn't sound and like no, he got lost oh. at all.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then we had to cut through Warden Hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and there was a for sale. And sign. then there was a for sale sign. And it's like, our hmm. our agent didn't tell us about this. So we just it was a Sunday afternoon, late Sunday afternoon. So we just drove drove up. I. Um, Came out of the car and said, "This is it. I don't care what the house looks like. <laughs> Look at the view. You know, it's like, all right. I don't care what the house looks like. This is it. <laughs> so you, we put in an offer that day. <laughs> That's how we got into the business. <laughs> yeah, basically. So we had ready, uh, ready vineyard. Um, it was three years old.
2: Two to three years old. Two, we just planted. It planted old. by Rex Hill.
0: So the vineyard is actually planted by Rex Hill. They had a 30-year lease." Yeah. On, the, uh, on the land, mm-hmm. yeah, and they planted the grapes. So we, that's how we continue to have a relationship with the uh, Rex Hill,
2: yeah. And then uh, along the way, uh, another property came on Highway 99. Uh, it had been on the market a long time. Back in the early 2000s, uh, there was an oversupply of grapes, mm-hmm. so uh, vineyard properties weren't really moving and this particular owner of this uh this property on highway 99 had uh, done some things um, that um, the county uh, didn't particularly like so in in essence it uh, we we bought that property it has had 15 acres of of land plus a uh, a winery building but it wasn't a winery and and um, over the years we converted that to our winery. It wasn't a bonded, it wasn't it wasn't a bonded winery. It but he was, was using
0: it as a winery. So the county. Was, yeah. And yeah. So he registered it as like a,
2: a farm shed. A farm
0: shed. <laughs> yeah. Clever. <laughs> yeah. So it all
2: after a lot of work it all worked out. So yeah. we're we're pretty happy.
1: So take us back a little bit before wine. You mentioned this is the second career for you. Uh, tell us about your 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 obviously in Saudi Arabia, tell us about your kind of life before wine. And how, you, and how you two met.
2: There wasn't much of a life before
1: wine.
0: <laughs>
1: That's an
2: exaggeration, but uh, as far as my, uh, my background goes, I uh, uh, graduated from Oregon State, <clears throat> and then um, after uh, satisfying some military obligations, I, uh, I went to uh, Stanford University in their MBA program a business program. So graduated from there and worked in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area for uh, an agricultural consulting company, uh, and they happened to be managing some vineyards in Sonoma County. But uh, again, back then uh, it was difficult to make a career out of uh, out of the industry. So uh, eventually, uh, I took a job with. Um, the Arabian American Oil Company in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, which is now known as the Saudi Arabian Oil Company. And they were responsible, or and still are responsible, for producing all the oil out of Saudi Arabia. Wow. So this was just a stopgap measure in my career, but I spent close to 18 years then. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: <laughs> started as, a, uh, hopefully, one or two years. Yeah. and then, yeah.
2: But well, luckily I found my wife, here, so that was
0: beneficial. So, yeah, I was one, I'm originally from the Philippines, and that's why I graduated medical school. Um, and we, um, there was ten of us, there were ten of us um, female uh, doctors. We were the first female doctors that were, um, that was hired by the uh, company to take care of the, um, the uh, families. Of the uh, um, oil company, workers, oh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so that's how I got to Saudi Arabia. And the Philippines, if after you, if you want to open a practice, you have to have big bucks to kind of open up your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, I thought I'd go to the oil company a year, and uh, you know, uh, save some money and be able to open up uh, my own uh, practice. And uh, Unfortunately, I met him, but uh, my mom says, unfortunately. I was like, you really want to go? I mean, you're not young anymore. It's <laughs> like, because I was, you know, late in my, um, uh, in fact, when we got married, the, uh, uh, as a side uh, story, when we got married, we got married in an Anglican church in Bahrain, mm-hmm. you know, and um, so on the uh, marriage certificate, it listed me as... Spinster. Well <laughs> so every time I remind her, I pull out the certificate. Right? Uh, yeah, a British minister. That, that, so, uh, you know, that's a British, that's British, British yeah. uh, common British term. It's
2: different, so, different meaning. In, so in my US. family was
0: like, you know, and of course, as a foreign medical graduate, you have to go um, do all the stages of being uh, licensed. Uh, fortunately for me, um, the uh, Philippines. The uh, education, medical education is patterned absolutely 100% um, with the uh, American system. So all our textbooks, you know, curriculum and everything are patterned from um, the curriculum of the U.S. So you don't need to go back to medical school if you want to practice here. Mm-hmm. You just have to pass the exams. Mm-hmm. Just have to pass just, the exam. Yeah. Just <laughs> so it took me a year to do that. It's got, and then I have to fly to Philadelphia to do the um, the oral exam. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and then uh, as a uh, I've been in practice for almost 20 years. When I um, had to qualify for um, for practice and uh, licensure in the U.S. Uh, they, the uh, the U.S. system will um, recognize your MD degree, but you still have to go through residency program. Mm-hmm. So I had to go back three years. You know, in your forties, doing thirty-six oh. hour, you know, uh, work was hard. So that's why my family was like, "Are you sure you want to do that over again?" <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a lot. That sounds like I a know, lot, yeah. but then again. Uh, I thought about it and it's like, what else do I know what to do, you know, so yeah, to me it was harder to go um, train for another career than just doing what I love to do anyway, yeah. yeah. So it was a hard, hard three years, but the wine and Yakima Valley made it a little easier. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So tell us about the, the process, you, you, you purchased the house in New Zealand, you, you realize that there's kind of a burgeoning wine community there, mm-hmm. uh, tell us me about the process of sort of learning the wine trade from that end, from owning, owning property, having your own grapes, and, and sort of what you set out to do, what your hope was when you, when you first planted grapes.
2: Uh, regarding New Zealand, we had bought the property there with the intention of, uh, of a retirement home, mm-hmm. Part time, not not full time. We had considered full time residency, but uh, it's pretty difficult for older folks to uh, to get residency. Young people, it's no problem. <clears throat> but uh, which which turned out to be okay. Uh, so we uh, at that time thought if we were going to be part time uh, down in New Zealand, since it's opposite seasons, we needed some kind of career down there. So that's why we gave it a lot of thought before we planted the vineyard, and uh, <clears throat> uh, so we did, and um, I didn't know a lot about viticulture, but uh, we, uh, you learn as you go along, and uh, and it's the same way here. Uh, you, you know, older, sometimes older folks go back to school for viticulture, and also uh, the wine business, and, and uh, be a winemaker, but uh, uh, if you read, you talk to a lot of people and uh, so we we were pretty i was pretty confident that um, that we could do it down there mm-hmm. and with that confidence kind of translated to up here mm-hmm. and we took it kind of slow uh, We are pretty risk averse <laughs> um, so with our property here and the property out on highway ninety nine uh, we did some things to uh, kind of mitigate the downside. Mm-hmm. Of uh, financial downside of the properties, which uh, you you don't make a lot um, of money generally, but you don't lose a lot either. So uh, it kind of eases out. To to you, have to to
0: manage, you, know, you have to manage. You uh, have
2: to manage. You you have to manage your your finances, which uh, we've seen some people not manage very well. Uh, it's a very capital-intensive in, uh, industry and. Uh, but anyway, uh, the, we've had some challenges down there, uh, which everybody does. Uh, part of the challenge is, is, is a cooler climate than here. Mm-hmm. Uh, frost is a problem, continues to be a problem there. And we kind of uh, suffered with the downturn in 2008, nine and mm-hmm. 10, not a, not a ready market for, um, for marketing grapes. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, with our properties here, it's similar. The viticulture is similar. Mm-hmm. So you end up with, uh, if, you're, if you're into it, you really end up learning a lot uh, over uh, the years and talking talking to a lot of people, going to conferences, mm-hmm. as far as the technical aspects of, mm-hmm. of grapes. And, uh, and part of the problem, by, you know, 15 years ago, uh, here even was selling your grapes, mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's reversed right at the moment, but uh, we'll see how that goes you know, for the future. But that's uh, and then getting into wine is is a different aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's a totally different skills, and the biggest part of it is ending up to be selling your wine. <laughs> so how do you how do you do that? And, uh,
0: it's easy enough to make the wine. Yeah,
2: yeah it's easy. It's not easy but to how, make wine many, but it's uh, e-
0: How many terms did you do at Chemeketa for?
2: I did a few courses at few Chemeketa. Courses, so. On wine making and He went uh, back
0: or not went back but he did a few courses mm-hmm. with
2: the. So, so going from being a, a viticulturist to being a, um, a a a maker and seller of wine is is a totally different skills. Mm-hmm. And um, so we did it very um slowly. Uh, so we didn't have to, uh, you know, invest all of uh, her life savings <laughs> in <laughs> the wine, uh, And then uh, along about the time that we, well, the old saying is if, you know, if you're a grape grower, you always think you can make better wine. So that's what we tried to do. Mm-hmm. But we did it a little bit different. We thought about um, trying to, uh, because it's Pinot Noir here that we grow mostly, and, and Pinot Noir 100% in New Zealand, we thought we would try to uh, market uh, that aspect of it yeah. uh, to to our tasting room, basically. So that's why you see uh, New Zealand wine that's associated with barrel finned cellars.
0: We so had it, to do something different, basically. Yeah, we we tried to know, do something a little you know, different
2: this, because, uh,
0: especially this this hill, you know, uh, how 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 are we going to differentiate ourselves from? Um, Twelve other neighbors mm-hmm. doing the same thing, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. And it turned out to be a challenge. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, kind of the catchy thing is that uh, we're located on uh, the 45th latitude north uh, here, mm-hmm. and by coincidence, uh, our uh, our property is right near 45 south. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that so wasn't planned
0: at all. It just happened. That, yeah, so yeah. So that's mm-hmm. uh, uh,
2: that's kind of the difference in. Um, Interopposite seasons, mm-hmm. so you end up with um, uh, Pinot Noir growing. Uh, that's why Pinot Noir from New Zealand is, uh, from from the, our region is called Central Otago, uh, is uh, a cool climate grape growing and has similar characteristics to Oregon Pinot. Mm-hmm. Could have, uh, basically, similar climates, but there are some some real challenges uh, in um, in viticulture there. Mm-hmm. It's still a new industry down there. Uh, so we ended up uh, having our grapes uh, made into wine for, um, let's see, about four years. And unfortunately, they were the four years of uh, recession, you know, so. Um, <laughs> but it took a lot. I did I did most of the work myself in trying to uh, uh, get the wine made down there, um, and importing, and learning their system of taxation on alcohol. and. Uh, Taxation here for imports uh, is not all that easy, Mm -hmm. but we we did it, and um, so then we started with our we had this was our garage before turning it into a a tasting room.
0: So this was not the the first uh, our first uh, choice uh, Uh, for the uh, for the tasting room. We were gonna have it at the winery building Mm -hmm. on 99. Yeah. But that didn't pan out. I
2: didn't. Uh, because
0: of uh, access.
2: Access problems it's access. off of Highway 99. Mm,
0: yeah. okay. So they wanted us to invest on a. Investor turn, life savings. In, on a turn lane. In <laughs> a center turn lane. So we, uh, <laughs> we yeah. said forget it. Uh, we were like, oh gosh. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, and, and the county wouldn't help. It would be 100% our money to, um, to uh, have the turn lane. Like, yeah so that was uh, after and that was disappointing because our the we've already converted the uh, second story we've already it's all set up we put in new hardwood floors and yeah all that only to uh, to be disappointed <laughs> with uh, with the county for for the turn lane so but but we're actually it turned out uh, a good a good uh, decision for uh, for them and for us. Mm-hmm. Because um, we had we had the uh, the uh, traffic going to E-Rath, mm-hmm. Um and we benefited a lot mm-hmm. uh, during those times. Because Winderly was only a couple years old. Yeah, I think they yeah. were uh, that time <coughs> that we opened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the
2: big uh, the big traffic was to Irath mm-hmm. at the time. So yeah. The
0: biggest traffic yeah. was to Irath. So
2: at we. That time, um, so. And plus he worked well, I'd worked for Erath he for a while, and E-Rath. we sold well, grapes well, to Erath, yeah. and uh, so uh, we got a lot of referrals and so it worked out pretty well. So we ended up uh, selling our our New Zealand wines here along with uh, uh, our Dundee Hills wines. And the other thing we we found out, uh, which which fortunate, is that uh, uh, consumers um, Started to like uh, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, mm-hmm. which is a big deal now. Uh, so we uh, and we don't we don't grow Sauvignon Blanc down there, and it's grown in a different area, uh, Marlborough region, which is at the top of the South Island.
0: So it's kind of like Willamette uh, Valley and Southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that, about the distance, yeah. the same distance, so a little warmer. Yeah.
2: So we made arrangements with the winery there in Marlborough to uh, make some Sauvignon Blanc and uh, put our label on it. And we imported that. And that turned out to be our best seller.
0: (laughs) Especially in the summer. (laughs) In the summer. (laughs) So that that turned out pretty well. So we had, and then we, uh, to to get more variety in the tasting room, uh, we planted, what, 250? uh,
2: A small amount of Pinot Gris.
0: Pinot Gris uh, vines, yeah.
2: And so we, uh, she and I made uh, Pinot Gris for four years, I guess. Yeah four years and and sold
0: that here as well. So we did everything from um, harvesting the grapes. So our first harvest was like, what, uh, 500 pounds? Yeah, it was pretty small. (laughs) (laughs) After two years, three years, years, yeah. yeah. And then, um, so it's not fun being out there in the vineyard mm-hmm. and it's like some like of the old stores o'clock in the morning, you know, it's uh, rain the day before, <laughs> it's muddy <laughs> <laughs> All the all the stores you hear. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you know, you know, it's just a bunch of grapes. How difficult could picking be, you know? Well. I was like I'm like, you know, I finished two rows and like, oh, this is hard work <laughs> And then you have to Kind of finish um, once you start picking, then you to crushing to, to uh, washing everything. Um, you know, we'd be home by midnight uh, on, the, uh, on the harvest day and um, crushing the, the, uh, the grapes. So, but there's um, a romance. <laughs> 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 so, I like. Oh my gosh, <laughs> and how much are we selling per bottle for this? <laughs> 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 yeah, so, but you know, looking back, it's always fun looking back, isn't it? Yeah, and so we uh, can enjoy that four or five years, we did that on our own, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: you mentioned the, the similarities between the forty the, fifth the parallel on either side and growing sim growing Pinot Noir on both sides. So tell me what the about the what's similar and different versus, between growing in the Dundee Hills, growing in Central Otago, mm-hmm. and then and what and how the wines are different. The uh, in, in New Zealand <coughs>
2: uh they're a different location just like there are here. Uh so we we ended up uh where, where we end up buying the, uh, bought the property uh, with in, in a very cool area called Gibson Valley, and uh, the, the the real challenges are uh, back when we planted, and not so much today. Uh, it was getting the right clones in the limited amount, and we planted about half on um, self-rooted and uh, half on uh, grafted rootstock. So it, nowadays, it's, as far as choosing your clones, uh, it's easy to get, they're easy to get. Uh, back then it wasn't uh, quite so easy. Uh, the biggest difference there, the growing season is about as long a number of growing degree days as it is here. But uh, there's the, the real challenge of frost,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's like southern Oregon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the challenge of frost and we always have a, a frost in the spring and also frost in the, in the fall. So uh, the biggest challenge for us was finally coming to the realization after losing our crop for a few years to the frost that we needed to buy a wind machine.
0: We had two years no harvest at all. We had two years of of nothing. Yeah. every year, there's always uh, if you didn't have frost uh, fighting, you know, uh, machines, you lose about ten to twenty percent. Yeah, that's every year guaranteed. You know. Whether it's a good year or, you know, a good, that's just inclement weather. Yeah. The best year would be a 10% loss. Yeah.
2: So Uh, so we ended up, uh, four or five years ago, actually buying a wind machine, which uh, are, they're expensive. And kind of interesting thing about it is that there are a few wind machines made in, in New Zealand. But the biggest seller of wind machines, and lots of people have wind machines, uh, they're made in Yakima, Washington, <laughs> that's where we used to live. So we went up to Yakima, went through the plant, and uh, uh, in a, uh, anyway, uh, we installed the wind machine and it's really paid off. So uh, to, to mitigate the, the risk of, of frost, uh, it's a significant investment, especially, uh, uh, we don't have a huge vineyard down there, but it's, we've probably paid for the wind machine several times over now just through yeah. saving savings from losing our crop. Mm -hmm. If
0: you didn't have that, you have to use helicopters. You have to use helicopters. (laughs) Some (laughs) some, uh, uh, vineyards use helicopters. That's even
2: more expensive. uh, Yeah,
0: and we did that for a couple of years. And then he said, you know, it's not paying off. Because even with the helicopter, using the helicopter, we still lost. We still lost. Yeah, it's not as effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So the other uh, the other as far as like a spray program it's pretty much the same it's there's not humidity down there like there is here so you don't have to spray quite as often but uh, come middle of summer uh, another significant difference between uh, here and there are the birds so the the, the birds are a problem here but it, they're nowhere near the problem they are down there so we have to bird that so you have to spend ten or fifteen thousand dollars in buying bird nets and then you got to put them on and you got to take them off after after, after harvest,
0: harvest yeah.
2: and uh, so that's uh so the actual viticultural cost um is is about the same except you got to have uh, your wind machine for spring and your and your big bird nets big for bird it. Nets, yeah. everybody puts on bird nets so that the birds are are not migratory like they are here mm. so they usually hang around, uh, waiting for raisin, and then they know when it's time to go <laughs> it's time to come in. Uh, yeah. grab them and they will decimate your yeah. your crop.
0: Yeah, there's just but, no way uh, without it.
2: And then the marketing is is about the same uh, as as far as trying to sell your grapes. We it was hit and miss for us for a few years, and uh, finally we we got. Um, uh, the, a winery that likes our grapes. Mm-hmm. So we're able to, to um, uh, at least for a fa- five or six years, sell to them and hopefully they will continue to buy.
0: Finally, um, he uh, he had a um, a good year, a couple years ago, so we won um, a um, a medal.
2: Some recognition,
0: so that helps. So, uh, single vineyard. Yeah. Um, single vineyard.
2: Nice. Uh, and so the, 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 the difference country. between the actual wine is at the, at the, the uh, it's a young industry there for Pinot. It's still young compared to Oregon. So they're still working on, uh, for this region, so the, the Central Otago region.
0: The, says, uh, uh, the, the nuances. The yeah. nuances.
2: And uh, you can go 20 miles down the road, like you can here, and it's hotter uh, and, uh, and probably somewhat drier. So you get a little bit bigger uh, wine. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the the
0: grape the grape from um, from Gibson Valley which is our area it's not um, it's not the dark cherry um, nose that you have here uh, even within um, the central Otago area it's more floral the um, the nose of the grape um, so it's you know it that's what's very distinct when we Kind of taste of New Zealand and the uh, Dundee Hill mm-hmm. um, in uh, years past. And um, the winemaking is also different. Um, the uh, they don't like uh, really, and we coming from Yakima with the with the big reds, we like more um, body uh, mm-hmm. to our Pinot um, and which our winemaker at Rex Hill does, yeah, uh, but the uh, the uh, winemakers, in, uh, especially in Otago, Central Otago, they don't like that style, so they like uh, they like to make their wines more of the Burgundian, mm-hmm. so much lighter mm-hmm. to our taste. <laughs> yeah.
2: And our customers noticed that yeah. uh, when yeah. they compared Dundee Hills wine, mm-hmm. came into the tasting room, and uh, Central Otago Pinots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They noticed it right away, some didn't like it, didn't even want to taste it, uh, yeah. others said good,
0: yeah. Because so. it's uh, it's uh, it's very different. I mean, it's the same um, almost. So half of our vineyard has the same clone one as here. As yeah. here. yeah, it's you know. It, so it should be the same, you know, uh, uh, taste, but it's not. It, it's not. Yeah. Um, so it's floral to the nose, um, much much lighter in body, mm-hmm. a little bit more tannic than than uh, our grapes here. Yeah. And then we, um, growing wise too, um, we have to uh, irrigate down there. Uh, of course, we have clay soils here, majority soil, but there we have to irrigate all through the summer, um, and um, actually we re- we're interplanted. And we had about like 50 percent <laughs> loss because of uh, really dry weather when we planted. That was yeah. the inner yeah. Yeah. No, it's the, the same Same old yeah. challenge. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And that's even with irrigation. Yeah. yeah. So. So yeah, the, the soils uh, we have there is really uh, rocky. We have big boulders taken out yeah. of our. More our volcanic. Vineyard. Yeah. Um, um,
2: yeah, it's it's different. It's a different uh, uh, growing area, but it's it's really interesting that we've taken some of the the things that we do here successfully integrate down there, and we've also taken some some things that they do down there and tried to integrate it in, into here. Uh-huh. We were one of the first because uh, a lot of of uh, especially for Sauvignon Blancs uh, and some Pinot uh, picked by machine down there, and you're starting to see some um, a machine picking here. We I think we were one of the first here uh, to um, machine pick, uh, at least on a trial basis. Uh,
0: our vineyard in '99.
2: Uh, uh, our vineyard <laughs> in '99, and, um,
0: uh, and it's
2: and it was interesting, it, interesting. experiment
0: because Rex Hill did the experiment. So they um, machine picked half of the vineyard and the hand picked half of the vineyard, and they were going to compare the um, how the wines came out from from those two. And so, with the blind tasting, the machine pick came out, <laughs> came out better. <laughs> oh, so they man. decided, you know, uh, for for your entry level Pinot, um, mm-hmm. it's a uh, because at the time, labor was getting
2: um, well. Yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, it still may be.
0: Right. So. But anyway. But it, the it machine was is also int- capital intensive. Yeah, very it's capital like, intensive. You know, um, what, three hundred fifty, four hundred thousand for the machine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. So it'll take a lot of years to kind of
2: get back But it's uh, to it's spreading, and, I think, throughout the industry. Mm-hmm. But uh, for big seniors, it, yeah. yeah, it's a way Very to Very sophisticated yeah. machines.
1: You talked mm-hmm. about watching Central Otago being still so young and younger than Oregon. So tell me about what you've seen there uh, in terms of growth of the industry and maturation of the industry and, and sort of where it sits compared to Oregon.
0: Exponentially. Uh, it, uh,
2: it, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I think both the areas are... Um, experiencing the same, uh, the same problems and uh, and challenges and and opportunities. Uh,
0: Lots of growing pains.
2: uh, Yeah, down there uh, trying to, um, uh, it sounds kind of trite, but uh, for a lot of wineries, I'm I'm speaking of the smaller wineries Mm -hmm. now, um, uh, staying business is is a hard job Mm -hmm. (laughs) down there just like it is here for small, uh, small growers, and there it's a small country producing some very good uh, wines, so they have to look to exports. Uh, It doesn't... um, Sauvignon Blanc is the biggest uh, is the biggest seller by far, and Pinot Noir is really secondary, but uh, for Pinot, uh, the small producers that that we know of had tried to uh, export and uh, very few of them were successful. Uh, Asia, um, and China was supposed to be a big, and, and it still is. Uh, so exporting is, is is the opportunity. But many of them, are the smaller producers, have pulled back and 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 tried to sell within the country, mm-hmm. uh, just because we're small. It, it's very expensive to, to export and US, have a whole US, marketing. Yeah, program. in
0: Canada was just
2: yeah. like, um, almost
0: like a closed market for them because every state had their yeah. own.
2: It is really tough to to uh, import into uh, the yeah. U.S.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and compete against Oregon and California, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, but uh, they have a strong, a real strong uh, national organization called New Zealand Wine, and that is uh, partially funded by the government and uh, and then funded by by our uh, uh, tax money that we pay down mm-hmm. there and membership fees, and they are they they promote heavily uh, all New Zealand wines throughout the world basically. So if you wanted to taste a New Zealand wine, you could. Go to one of their industry events, I think in Vancouver, BC, or San Francisco, LA, and uh, they will be have a a representative uh, selection of wines.
0: And they Uh, um, they're hands on with um, with their exports, so you they have they want to make sure that nothing comes out of the country that's bad. Mm -hmm. So every every vintage you have to submit have
2: to submit your wines for sensory evaluation for evaluation.
0: Yeah,
2: Yeah. I mean it's not it's. yeah. I think their program is good. It maintains the quality but so they still have lots of growing pains. But the biggest market in uh, for New Zealand wines is uh, Sauvignon Blanc and there's some really large companies, US companies included, that market flood flood the world with New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc and it's been pretty very successful.
0: And they also dictate some viticulture um, yeah. practices mm-hmm. the government does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So So um,
2: all Everybody has to join. It's called uh, Sustainable Wine Growing, uh, New Zealand, Mm -hmm. and conform to their uh, spray programs. It's not. And then, if you want to do it further, just like you can here, you can can go organic. But uh, every year, uh, the young guy that manages our vineyard there has to submit his spray schedule to
0: the government. Yeah.
2: To the Sustainable Wine New Zealand. Yeah. And they review it and then, in fact, I just got it this week, they'll give you a certificate that you comply and you can give that to uh, your uh, wineries that buy your grapes. Mm-hmm. So they can be assured that you conform to various protocols yes, yes, uh, yeah. on, uh, on spraying throughout the season. So, in that respect, it's really good.
0: More additional costs. It's more additional <laughs> <Yeah>. cost and <laughs> right. paperwork. Yes, yeah. but. Yeah.
2: Uh, at least they're they're kind of um, uh, true to what they uh, they believe in, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one thing they believe in. So. I think
0: they partially kind of um, because a lot of the winemakers there um, go to France for um, and here too, but um, so the, the rules and regulations from both countries they kind of try to adopt to their mm-hmm. um, to their own wine industry.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you'd be surprised the number of uh, New Zealand. Uh, Winemakers that are working here. Mm-hmm. Uh, our winemaker,
0: com- uh, or the winemaker uh, Rachael that makes our wine.
2: He's a Kiwi, he's,
0: he's,
2: <laughs> and they're also Americans. A, um, a lady that makes wine not far from us down there. She's from Portland. Our neighbor, she's now, uh, yeah, our neighbor, down neighbor there in New yeah. Zealand.
0: She's from Portland. <laughs> yeah. So she's. And, um, she's the assistant winemaker for the the um, the kind of like the equivalent. Penner Ash mm-hmm. of yeah. um, mm-hmm. New Zealand out uh, mm-hmm. there. Yeah, so she's, no,
2: there's she's a great she's community. That's, yeah. that's what's that's one real advantage to this industry is uh, is a community. Uh,
0: that's the one of, uh, one thing we really love about it is you know um, we made friends easily because of the wine because yeah. of Pinot Noir <laughs> in this area uh, when we first uh, moved to our house our uh, neighbor. Um, Crumbled Rock? Mm-hmm. Did you do a... Did, did, have you done no, them yet? Not yet. Yeah. yeah. So they, um, she came and brought a bottle of Pinot Noir, yeah. Homemade. Yeah. It, yeah. Was, <laughs> it was okay, but it <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> And then the other one is uh, Myrto's, which you've, mm-hmm. you've interviewed, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, uh, this is it, more of a community a really
2: out here than living um,
0: any place I've lived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And, of course, there um Jim Marsh. Jim yeah. 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 I was like, so Jim, what's your uh, secret? Uh, living this long, it's like, drink more Pinot Noir. No. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's making it. He might as well, yeah, not really as well. As well. Yeah. drink it. Yeah. So, yeah. So you you mentioned, uh, you, you, I mean, you, you, for a lot of people, just having a vineyard, just one vineyard in one spot is kind of a full-time gig. So you have two very far away from each other. Tell me about balancing your time between them and making sure that you're able to take care of everything you need to take care. Obviously, a lot of things to take care of on both sides. So mm-hmm. how do you manage two separate locations like this? Uh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> you... Um uh, well, uh, technology helps a lot today, but when we first started out uh, the the issues were were fairly complex as far as uh, New Zealand. So how do you pay your bills you know from from there and you 're here and uh, so you end up uh, first of all you've got to know what 's going on in both locations and, and uh, so I've done it enough now that I know what is is going on, uh, the times of the year. So mm-hmm. when you get a bill from here or there, you can say, "Yeah, I, I owe the money." Uh, so so
0: his, his business background came in. So the, it's <laughs> all business. I <laughs> yeah. mean, really,
2: it, it's yeah. uh, it's a combination. Yeah. That's uh, that's the that's the, that's the problem with starting a business is you got to. You've got to be able to understand uh, how businesses operate, and the accounting part, and the legal part, and, uh, and so on. Uh, so I started out uh, trying to pay bills from, from here, but uh, it didn't work out, just because of the time lag, and you faxed stuff back and forth. Uh. So, and
0: in, in those days, it's, it's still, it was still the facts. It was still the fax. You
2: know, the <laughs> and mail was out of the they, question. And uh, they still
0: <laughs> call like at one o'clock in the mornings. <laughs> <Yeah. "What's that?" laughs> so uh, uh,
2: over time, uh, I, I know now who'd, so who does the work down there, uh, so to speak. I mean. Uh, People will use the spray and, of course, the uh, the younger guy that's, that's uh, managing, we're one of his clients now. He started off with us 20 years ago. is right out of school. And now he's got, uh, you know, um, in fact, now he's got two kids and a wife that's a winemaker and, and other customers. So uh, he, he does, uh, works out of the spray program and so on, and we get a budget from him. And sometimes he sticks to it, sometimes he doesn't, you know. <laughs> uh, and then I get, I get the bills. And, and some of the people now uh, send me the bill directly. So the, the people that do the spraying, we've been with, with them a long time. They just email me the bill. And the same with you know got people that fill up our diesel tank for the wind machine and, uh, and the picking and so on. Uh, so they send that to me now, and I know what's going on. And then I turn around, I approve it. And once a month, I, I collect all of our bills. And then, um, and sometimes there are not very many in the winter, like right now. Uh, there are not too many. And uh, send them right back down to an accountant that we've used for uh, 15, since, 16, 17 years. Since we planted the vineyard. And here, um, so they're approved. And they're, a, a they're, part of it is you got to, you know, how do you get the money there? Uh, I mean, that's. That makes that's a good question, and you got to figure that out. How, how you get enough money in your bank accounts, because uh, everything in New Zealand is is done by wire. So uh,
0: they don't they don't they, they do
2: don't checks. send out uh, <laughs> checks and you, We tried yeah. to give somebody a check down there, and they thought, like, I don't know what this is, <laughs> yeah. but it's but, you know that's the financial system they have, yeah. and uh,
0: even pa- paying for labor,
2: even paying for labor, like, yeah. wow. Yeah. It's all, you know, wiring. So it's time consuming and you've got to be organized. And up here, uh, it's a little, it's a little different uh, because we, uh, we've worked with uh, uh, Rex Hill uh, on this vineyard uh, since, since we moved here. And uh, now they are, um, uh, their crews uh, uh, do the viticocial work. Mm-hmm. And we've, we know the people here and, uh, you know, the, the crews really hardworking people, great people and uh, so at at our winery, we operated that with in conjunction with a, a friend of mine that was a winemaker, so we were able to stay on top of that and uh, so yeah it it's uh, if you don't pay attention, you're going to lose money i mean that's yeah. and, and her instructions to me was i don't care what you do, just don't lose money." <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> it's good good advice. It's good advice. So if I want dinner in the evening, <laughs> I better not lose any, any money. But it's it's um, you got to look at it like a you, you can't look at it as a hobby, and uh, because it can get away from you, and especially uh, with a a vineyard and the winery, uh, the difference is you can't. It, it, if you are losing money today, or not making money today, you can't say, I'm stopping. It's like any agricultural product, mm-hmm. because nature goes on and-, and There's, more, you, grapes there's more grapes next year. <laughs> there's more grapes next year. There's more, if you're an apple grower, it's the same way. It's Agriculture is a different uh, industry. Mm-hmm. So you can't just say, uh, I'm gonna uh, not buy any more inventory for my store. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you've, if you want to succeed in the long run, you've got to really be careful. At least that's that's my opinion. Yeah, we yeah. we've
0: seen a couple of our neighbors in New Zealand
2: yeah go under go yeah. under
0: just because of that, you know, um, not realizing when your um, inventory is just
2: it, Im- even even happen, here, yeah. you you know you 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 see. I mean that that's a mistake that we try to avoid. Is that if if we've got uh, 20 tons of grapes out here every year. That translates into well over a thousand cases of wine, and if, and you're, if you if, don't have distribution, if you yeah. don't have distribution and, and, and you're building your business, room,
0: yeah,
2: it's you know it's not like where do you put where do you put the thousand cases? You got to put it at the abbey or some other storage and pay pay them, and then you, next year you got a thousand cases more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've, you've got to really plan ahead, mm-hmm. and uh, we've seen people that just don't do that.
0: I mean. You know, you
2: only, you can you, uh, only drink so much.
0: You admire their optimism, yeah. but sometimes the practicality, the <laughs> <in Yeah>. reality, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to uh, realize. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's really sad to see because a couple of neighbors in New Zealand just did basically that. So they lost about everything. They yeah. lost their vineyard, and yeah, mm-hmm. and it's kind of sad, especially. You're not young anymore, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: So to answer your question, it's um, you, you've got to learn a lot of stuff, yeah, and uh, you still end up. And the government doesn't make it any easier either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, you, that's the nature of life. So.
0: So the future um, for small growers is bleak. <laughs> I think it's pretty. It, I mean, yeah. yeah. And if you want have wanna, to. You have to really stay small. There's no in between, you know. Um, you you have to stay small, and to cut down on your on your um, expenses, you have to work it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you only have five hundred to a thousand cases, and you're paying uh, three people mm-hmm. to uh, sell that for you, it doesn't.
2: It just it's hard to make yeah. make any money. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. and it's the same everywhere. It's, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And if you don't sell off, like Herb says, that 1,000 cases this year, you got another 1,000 cases next year. Yeah. Um, And, uh, yeah. So that's one way we we tried
2: to reduce the risk, the financial risk, is uh, with our vineyards, is um, we knew right away uh, the marketing problem. And and, um, if you make your, if you grow your own grapes, that's one set of a large expense for the year. The, uh, and if you then make it into wine, it's a second large expense and then you got to sell the wine. So we ended up uh, just selling uh, part of our uh, grapes that we grow each year to get cash coming in and then just making uh, uh, enough wine that we figure we could sell. Yeah,
0: and that, that worked out pretty real. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: So you get some cash. The cash flow is in any business is is the secret, so
0: we learned from uh, our neighbor um, here that um see see the the um Jim Marshall's making about six six hundred seven hundred cases yeah. a year, and he had two um employees um and they had to close after four or five years yeah Because and, and, yeah. Uh, it was it was just not yeah. profitable yeah yeah. yeah. So we kind of learn from that, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and then so yeah, if you want to grow big, I mean, you you also have to invest big. You have to invest um, big. And uh, that's, that's, that's realized, some of the changes yeah.
2: today that we yeah. see. Is mm-hmm. so, I mean, I think the Oregon industry is is going to do well. Uh, it's just where you are in the industry as to whether you will do well. I mean, that's the thing. Oh, yeah.
0: So distribution is the big deal. And we tried, you know, to kind of enter into that, uh, to foray into that distribution. Mm -hmm. But, you see, 2008 was a a really good year. It was one of the best. Yeah, yeah. it was one of the best wines. Yeah. So a distributor comes from Chicago. And so we were selling our wine for like 40 a bottle retail. Yeah. And, you know, almost every distributor will want to buy your wine for 50 percent mm-hmm. yeah i mean 50 percent of your retail so we said okay 20 yeah but he wanted less than that <laughs> and
2: we said what that's
0: that's how much capital we have in the bottle because <laughs> yeah, well, if you if you make a small lot your capital is also bigger than you know yeah. somebody who's making a hundred thousand cases yeah. yeah um so so that's our, you know second foray into this, a distributor, and and uh, we just concluded, you know, it's it's not, and you know, unless you make five thousand cases, it's not it's not gonna.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we relied mainly on our tasting room. Mm-hmm. It's worked. It worked out well.
0: So we kind of we just gave up on getting bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Plus competition was started to Yeah, wrap up we've seen a lot of increasing time. competition yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's all small, you know, small wineries, family-owned small wineries, kind of just like us. So, mm-hmm. you know, what's different between them and us? Um, it's just how much money you want to lose. <laughs> yeah. And I said, you know, I work hard for my for for my money. I don't want to lose it that way. <laughs> so we figured it's just best to be uh, back to being a consumer. <laughs> yeah.
2: So we're going to always be in the industry with our vineyard here in in, uh, yeah, in so New Zealand, but uh,
1: we've recaptured our weekend, so we don't have to work <laughs> in the tasting room. <laughs> get to consume it again, like yeah. you said. Yeah. That's that's exciting. Uh, yes, yeah.
0: nice. we just uh, decided it's just kind of sit back and enjoy the wine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: So in addition to your work in the industry, obviously you have a great interest in the history of Oregon wine, as, and that's how we've met before this, mm-hmm. with your Oregon Wine History uh, website. Um, tell me about your, the kind of, how that came about, why you got interested in that, and why you decided to sort of try to capture all the, all the little stories of Oregon wine history.
2: It <clears throat> started out mainly as a hobby, uh, because of my early days down in um, Yamhill Valley. And the uh, what I kind of figured uh, was that uh, nobody at 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 that time when I started. Um, so what uh, so what I've got is, or uh, it's called OregonWineHistory.com. <clears throat> my idea was to kind of uh, put the early industry in in perspective. I mean, uh, there, there's some well deserved uh, press on. On the uh, the people that were successful, uh, you know, as we all know, with Erath and David Ladd and Adelsheim, and and they deserve uh, the great press that they've got. But uh, but they, they were success, you know, they were successful with a lot of hard work and uh, and investing a lot of their money and. Uh, Growing and uh, other people's money
0: and other people's <laughs> money, you
2: know. and and they've grown to be, um, you know, good, good uh, citizens uh, in the community and willing to share all of their their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- there's a, there's more behind uh, those successes. There are a lot of not uh, very successful companies, starting out really early in the industry, and I was interested in who these people were. Mm-hmm. Because uh, at the time the industry just uh, take the Umpqua Valley. That's kind of where it started. Uh, Richard Summers has got all the credit, uh, and he deserves so much credit mm-hmm. because he was uh, he shared his knowledge with people that uh, uh, came after him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my idea was uh, kind of research like the Umpqua Valley, and there's. There's probably a dozen uh, wineries down there that uh, never made it. But but uh, what, what they did was draw in more interest to the industry. Mm-hmm. So if Richard Somers was out there at Hillcrest and nobody else was there, there's not a lot of people that are going to really be interested. Mm-hmm. But uh, like uh, with uh, one, I don't know whether you've interviewed him, uh, Bieland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and know, they made some really nice um, uh, fruit wines, mm-hmm. and then there's Champagne Creek, or there's um, uh, Nicole, mm-hmm. uh or um, uh, I think Ghirardae is still. Uh, mm-hmm. He's one of the real survivors. Mm-hmm. And you
0: drank a lot of fruit wines.
2: Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> so they, they drew a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. And then it got more popular in the northern Willamette Valley, and you had Oak Knoll, for example, at, uh, I liked their fruit wines because it tasted like the fruit. They were one of the biggest wineries uh, going for a while. Mm-hmm. So all of these little, uh, little folks that uh, most of them didn't make it, but they contributed to the industry mm-hmm. just, be, just by broadening the, uh, the uh, consumer's interest in, in wine, whether it's uh, fruit wines or uh, <coughs> uh, varietal wines or any other kind of wine. Uh,
0: and your uncle also. Yeah,
2: my uncle was uh, early, well, he was a, a charter member of the um, Umpqua Valley Grape Growers back in 1969, and then he planted a small vineyard, uh, mm-hmm. I think, in early 70s. 70s yeah. So he was an amateur winemaker, uh, like most of them were, and uh, in fact, that's, I think, how I got uh,
0: he never got better though he never got better <laughs> <you know. laughs> but he was there so
2: yeah so he grew sold his grapes to uh, Hillcrest and uh, yeah
0: his grapes went to g- Hillcrest
2: yeah so he did that many for many years so I uh, what I did was go back and research a lot of of these uh, if you looked at the website today there are wineries you probably never heard of. And there are other people on the, um, what I call, notable contributors to the industry that uh, were, were instrumental in their own way in really promoting the, Ameri- uh, the uh, Oregon wines. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, and then you, you figure out, well, where did all of the early, like uh, Adelsheim, where did he get his grapes mm-hmm. you know back then? I mean, he grew some, and Erath uh, grew some, they all grew some, but if you're growing, and which uh, all of them were, somebody has got to provide you with the grapes. And, uh, and those, were, those are people today that uh, are pretty much unknown. So I dug up some information on those folks. They deserve a lot of credit. Uh, but uh, normally the press, in general, doesn't talk about the grape grower. But uh, the grape grower uh, is, is uh, or has been, uh, a real key in. In the industry,
0: they were the ones who didn't make money. They,
2: they were the ones that didn't make a lot of money, and they were the ones that um, uh, really took uh, a lot of um, risk economic um, risks, and a lot of them didn't didn't really make it mm-hmm. so that that's the reason that that I decided to do that and
0: uh, and plus, he was kind of interested in like, okay, so these couple own this um, winery today, but didn't so-and-so own that before? Yeah. And was, you know, before that was this couple. It's like, what happened to them? So, like, he was really interested in kind of researching yeah, know, that, I, I, how that winery started and how it became. Uh, you probably
2: but, interviewed that um, Winston uh, down in, uh, well, there's one winery there that uh, is pretty, I can't think of the name of it at oh, the moment.
1: In, in Winston, Oregon? Uh, it's right outside, off, right off of
2: I-5, uh, going towards Winston. Uh, it's off to your left as you turn off I five. Abastella? No, no. Anyway, so they've had over the course of time, they had uh, two different uh, owners. Owners going back to uh, late '60s, early '70s, mm-hmm. and they're, I think they're still uh, some of those original vines there. But I mean, that's that's kind of my interest. I mean, it's like a genealogy, really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, even, and you've interviewed some people along the road mm-hmm. here. I mean. Um, this some really early uh, vineyards out here, mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of interesting that that kind of stuff's going to get lost in time unless somebody documents it. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are interested. <laughs>
1: <But> <laughs> it's there. Well, so. we're we're on your side all the time if that if that helps because yeah. it's been very useful for us. Yeah. Tell me about some of the some of the challenges you have run into trying to find that history and some of the maybe some of the interesting things you have found that you were uh, some exciting exciting discoveries or things you weren't expecting to find
2: well the the uh, the interest of of people back then uh, in the industry I found kind of exciting because uh, like my uncle for example uh, he had a a group of people that um, uh, most have passed away but really were were key in uh, organizing the industry as it was back in the early uh, late sixties early seventies, and and they they kind of carried the message uh, out to um, you know a lot of other people and uh, eventually what was what was interesting is what we're seeing today is that. Uh, uh, great. Uh, our, our industry in Oregon is is changing, and now we're getting um, interested groups in a lot of interested, uh, interesting areas. Mm-hmm. And and the um, like, the Willamette Valley is is now, uh, which has carried the industry uh, all over the uh, the world. Really, mm-hmm. uh, they have uh, they have a little bit different direction than than the people in uh, uh, the Umpqua Valley, for example. Uh, just because there's Different growing conditions and different consumers for the for different wines, and that it, the same thing happened way back when, is that uh, it, w- it was uh, people are that start in this have started in this business are really individuals, and um, uh, they know how they want it to go, and sometimes to their detriment, <laughs> and that's what I found, uh, and um, even my uncle uh, was. Um, you know, he he thought that his grapes were some of the best, but nobody wanted to buy them. You know, so, I mean, those. That, so, what you see back then is is what you're seeing today, and I think you will always see that. Is that it's always time goes on, and but the, the fundamental issues are still there, and and people in this business uh, have been very individualistic, mm-hmm. and. Just like different styles of wine, and that's what makes it interesting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you, guys talked earlier a little bit about your, your your kind of worry for the future, for the for the kind of middle class winery size, in terms of if you're not if you're not real small or not real big, your your, your concerns. What what are you seeing as you look ahead, say, ten years down the road for Oregon wine? What do you, what is the industry going to look like in, in a decade?
0: Well, just just here on our road, we really don't like what we see. <laughs> you know, may have to cut that. <laughs> uh, only because, you know, as wine consumers and, you know, when we go wine tasting ourselves, we we kind of like to, um, well, I guess I should say, you know, um, just on our area, you know, I, it's, I see more a um, disadvantage than an advantage. Um, of course, the bigger you are, the more you can um, sell Oregon to the rest of the country and the world right but um, we we have our own um, interest in when we go wine tasting we we like to talk to um, the people who actually make the wine mm-hmm. and um, we like it to find um, wineries that are smaller more you know hands- on and all that um, and that's kind of disappearing just in our immediate area.
2: Yeah, at least here.
0: Which uh, <coughs> was not the case, <coughs> excuse me, 10 years ago. No. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of disappointing to go into Oregon um, wineries where um, your uh, The person pouring wine doesn't know much about where the grape came from um, and what is really in the bottle, and uh, you know, so it's very disappointing. And I'm from Oregon, I mean, we've lived here um, so many years, so what what will tourists think of that? You know, it's kind of like me uh, when I went to France and you know, I went champagne tasting, and uh, the lady that was uh, serving me was from uh, New York (laughs) and it's like this is my first day at work I was like so what is she gonna know about what she's pouring (laughs) you know so that's kinda disappointing if you're especially now we see the the last five years of our tasting room we see more and more groups that are coming to Dundee just for wine tasting Mm -hmm. I mean they're here specifically for that Mm -hmm. you no longer I mean there's more and more of that we sew um, (coughs) before we close the tasting room. So, you know, that's going to really be disappointing if uh, they came here, um, research all about Oregon wine, and then you have somebody that, you know, can't tell them much more than, you know, this is 2015. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's, uh, it's
2: beginning to be in my opinion, the uh, I think it depends on where you're located. I think the folks uh, down in Umpqua Valley, uh, Hood River area, um, Southern Oregon are uh, still smaller. Th- they, yeah, they've they've got a different perspective because uh, there's not so, as as big of uh, um, wineries down there, <coughs> and um, and they depend a lot on uh, a tourism. Mm-hmm. And uh, Southern Oregon gets a lot of tourism. Umpqua Valley. Uh, get some. But uh, I think there are several challenges uh, to the industry. One is uh, economics and uh, you know, you're know you slowly seeing a lot of uh, more established uh, long-term uh, vineyard owners and winery owners reaching retirement age and, and a, a lot of their hard work is tied up in the value of their properties. Mm-hmm. So of course they want to maximize um, what they can get for retirement so the um, the smaller well luckily, there are a lot of young people that can start up like in Portland you don't have to own a vineyard, and setting up a winery is not all that expensive so um, that's real positive, mm-hmm. but if you want to uh, be out in um, in kind of wine country, no matter where you are you're uh, you're looking at a significant amount of of money and and hard work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very difficult to get, and we know this firsthand and some of our neighbors as well it's very difficult to get into a restaurant with your wine or or a uh, a wine shop or costco mm-hmm. and and make money out and of it. make money out <laughs> uh, the consumer unless you're uh, unless the wine steward pushes your wine in a wine shop or the um, uh, the, the wine steward at Costco pushes your wine, and what they're doing is pushing the price of your wine down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, gotta, you gotta have volume, And so like she was saying, you're going to remain small and do a lot of the work, at least in the tasting room yourself, mm-hmm. uh, or get or, or get, uh, get really uh, big. Uh, yeah. have a pile of cash, and uh, <coughs> and even then, working into nationwide distribution is is. Very difficult. I mm-hmm. mean, you go into Fred Meyer over here, like in Tigard or in uh, New, uh, Newburgh, I mean, you look at the Pinot Noir on the shelf, and how does the consumer know which bottle to buy? You know, the prices are, are reasonably high. So, uh, it, but I think uh, Oregon survived in the past, they'll survive again. <laughs> People are innovative. Uh, the,
0: um, we, uh, we were in one grocery store at uh, Garden Home. Yeah, lambs out there because huh? the, um, the wine um, uh, person there um, loves uh, New Zealand wine. Ze- he so, likes New Zealand yeah, wine. So he has a few um, New Zealand um, labels there. And he was saying uh, last year he maybe gets about seven to ten new, um, <laughs> new labels trying to sell him wine. A That's week. From Oregon. A week. A yeah, week. a week. Mm-hmm. yeah just small producers and yeah
2: shelves aren't big enough and yeah uh,
0: and they're all you know crowded in the uh, yeah. same price range so yeah so but you know it's uh it's good that uh people are willing to lose money <laughs> <laughs> at least temporarily you know. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah there's no uh the the optimism uh for uh for making wine and selling your wine is definitely there. Yeah,
2: I think yeah. it's uh, like, uh, yeah. as always said, uh, fortunately we got uh,
0: the hobby romance into making, uh, yeah, you know, young more.
2: people and, and, um, uh, and very skilled people yeah. um, mm-hmm. entering the industry, mm-hmm. you know, at, um, at, at a great age. It, it's, uh, we, we hope that momentum continues. Yeah, we know. Because um, it's a great, very collaborative. Um, I mean, even today, if you have a problem, you can call up somebody and they'll help you.
0: We know one um, uh, high-tech person that lived, uh, that used to work with Intel. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's an engineer, a high-paying job at Intel. And he just quit and uh, went to Jamaica um, took his classes and all that and started uh, working at the cellar. Yeah, you know, I mean just... Um, but, you know, uh, going to school as a winemaker doesn't really... Um, it, it's not... Your your path to a career is not guaranteed because there's just so many wineries and there's just so many winemakers needed, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's one of the lucky ones. Yeah, yeah he, now he worked
2: some, hard. Yeah. And, uh,
0: it took him six years from maybe a little bit more to get from uh, from um, a, hand, a cellar hand to assistant winemaker to assistant winemaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, and now um, Umqua, uh College is uh, having another. They've uh,
2: got a program. Program,
0: before. yeah, but
2: uh, yeah, the. It's a good industry, but it's not a high-paying industry. You know, it's like, uh, but uh, it's. It's uh I think it's going to grow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, Oregon is, is pretty unique. The products that come out of, of Oregon uh, wine products, uh, Pinot and some other ones, uh, they're pretty unique, uh, and it's not the same. Uh, you know Oregon could differentiate their wines from California wines or differentiate it from New Zealand wines or French wines, and,
0: and they're continue to win.
2: <laughs> and they continue to, to, yeah. to do well, yeah. mm-hmm. so and and thanks to the very large companies here uh, that have carried the message all across the U.S. We just know. don't
0: like it when they deforest our hills. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I meant. I, that, yeah. Yeah, I so, get it. Yeah. but on the other hand, I said, uh, you know, so all the uh, the uh, trees are gone there, but on the other hand, I. I was telling Herb, I'd rather see vineyards there than houses. Than <laughs> <laughs> houses.
2: <know>, subdivisions. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, so that's, I guess, the uh, price you pay for progress, yeah? <laughs> you got big uh, big bucks coming in and high-end wineries. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, um, when we first uh, came to Wine Taste um, in early 2000, yeah. um, because, you know, Yakima Bali, um, all the wineries, all wine tasting there was complimentary, mm-hmm. you know, there were no, no um, wine tasting fees, so we were used to that, and we come here, the first winery we went to was Lang, and it said $5 for tasting, and we was like, what? <laughs> you gotta be kidding! <laughs> gotta be kidding. <laughs>
1: oh, how things have changed! I know. Yeah. And,
0: and now we got by appointment and twenty-five. Twenty-five bucks. Twenty-five bucks, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, and that's only fifteen years. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know? Yeah. So on this road, um, it's only March now. That's not by appointment. Everybody. Oh, uh, let's
2: see. Well, on the weekends.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I don't, no, I
2: think there are other ones. I don't think Bella Vita is
0: oh, yeah, by appointment, true. and yeah.
2: uh, Lang isn't, and... But, you know, but certain consumers go to those places, going, and... Uh, yeah. Luckily, uh, Erath is still around, and... Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, so, you know, it's good to see uh, places like Lang that are uh, still family-owned, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Troy Moore. And, uh, so they're, they've been around forever, and, uh, and it's good to see is second generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Third, ger- third no, generation. Almost third now generation with Marsh. March, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Third generation for Marsh,
1: yeah. 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 So that's all the questions that I have for you today. Uh, is there anything we should have talked about that we didn't, anything I didn't ask that I should have asked?
2: I can't think of any. I can't think of anything. I pretty much covered it. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, thank you both so much for your time today, for all your answers, and uh, for uh, telling us all the great stories. And we'll, we'll let you off the hook here. Yeah. Appreciate you coming. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all the supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have made our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org